Tough decisions regarding college, terrible dad jokes, and more. Clint, Nate, and Keith discuss this on this week's Give Me Some Truth. So today, the uh, topic of the uh, podcast has a lot to do with our own personal educational histories, and uh, this is this is kind of Keith fighting the good fight, I think, with um, with his educational background. Maybe not against ours, but maybe in concert with ours in how people choose what they do for uh, choosing majors, choosing colleges, and choosing how they're going to pay for it. Well, I think we need to provide a little bit of background because uh, what what is my major? None of us know. I don't I, know. <laughs> comparative, comparative literature thought? stuff. Literature. Philosophical uh, thought. I was a comparative literature undergraduate major, and then I went on and got a master's and PhD in comparative literature. I became a, is that a thing? French professor for a while. Well, as I, I used to put it, I picked the least useful thing I could find, majored in it, and then... I, I, uh, I'm going to come out of, out of left field with uh, a joke I have from the weekend. Fire away. We're, we're waiting. I no longer buy things with Velcro. Why not? Because it's a ripoff. <laughs> You've, I think, immediately with that joke, yeah. you know, people are not going to want to listen to our advice about higher education because if you tell a joke like that, it's unclear if you are higher educated. Keith, it's a thinker. It's well, a at least thinker. you didn't yeah. give it some time. Joke, Let I it ruminate. Have, it, it, it sinks in. Yeah. I did flub my first joke too. The one that I said, right? Yep. Right. Yeah. 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 The timing was off too. Well, they'll tell you, right? That's yeah. what it is, the whole punchline. Is. Th- this is a little bit of our back to school episode. I would oh, say. that is a good call. Yeah, right. You know, that's, uh, that's... schools have started up here in Madison. Yes. Uh, it felt an autumnal this morning when I was walking the dog. Uh, uh, this the whisper of autumn was in the air. Uh, so I think this is a good time, and and really. When we were kind of formulating ideas about this podcast, I think one of the things we talked about is how do you apply some of the financial planning principles that we have, you know, we use for our clients when we're getting into their retirement and and those sort of discussions as kids get ready to go off to college, as kids choose a college, as kids think about their college experience, because I think far too often uh, we kind of identified three big questions uh, for kids as they get ready to go away to school. Is and parents and parents and and the big one is the one that everybody kind of focuses on is where are you going to college? But I think we don't think enough about kind of the second and third questions. The the second one really almost should be, you know, mentally or priority wise, the first one, which is. What are you hoping to get from college and your college experience? The other question that that came up is a little bit of applying, uh, and we hated using the term cost benefit analysis, but I did, you know, point out to Nate that in my fraternity at the University of Chicago, and yes, there are fraternities at the University of Chicago, we would meet outside of the library. We frequently used cost benefit analysis to discuss our social calendar. Which obviously, if you're the sorts of guys using cost benefit analysis to discuss your social calendar, not chock full of events, let's put it that way. 
But we wanted to talk a little bit about how college gets paid for, thinking about the longer-term implications of your choice in college as well to financial planning, getting started in, in the world. Now, Keith, when you thought about getting into your undergrad and your you know, comparative literature, how did you go about, if you had to answer the question, and you know, what do you want to get out of college, what was your answer at the time? I wanted to fill my brain as packed full of information as I could. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I picked the University of Chicago. I was able to, you know, study with leading experts in their field. My, um, you know, di- one of my dissertation advisors was literally the guy that edited all the volumes of, of Shakespeare, um, you know, was a, just died a, a about a month ago, in fact, uh, just David Bevington was just a, a genius and everything you kind of hope for out of a out of a professor. And I was inspired to learn a lot. And part of that also came from having grown up in Madison. I had had the big college game day experience. You know, a lot of people, that's an integral part of their college education is football Saturdays, you know, bonding with their friends through that. And I had had that, you know, growing up here, I knew what it was like. And so I was looking for something that was a really uh, rife educational experience. I also wanted something different uh, in that I wanted to go to a big city. I had never lived in a big city, thought that would be an excellent kind of opportunity for me. Now that's like next Did you guys hear about the farmer who went to college? He was outstanding in this field is it just going to be dad jokes all day it might be terrible it might be just i I think uh i think uh i almost nursed the pause a little too long on that one no i think it was i I think though this is uh you know a little bit for nate this is touching close to home because you have a daughter that uh i do in high school got her driver's license last year she did well this this past february but yes yeah and is now a junior she is a junior. Yeah. So this conversation is, you're going to have to send her off to college soon. Right. Well, yeah. and you're, you're, everything that you've said is so self-actualized. I mean, Nate and I, I, I'm speaking for Nate here, but you went to Whitewater. I went to Madison because we wanted to get a good job later and just study business because we had grown up in business for our whole lives. Like I was going to be. A, we were very businessy. I was going to be in business from like three years old. Right. Yeah, I didn't need to fill my head with, with all of that prose and all of that you know high level thinking and everything. I just wanted to get into business. Which so in the, in this conversation, it makes us in a way we'll 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 uh, uh, disclose this and admit this. It makes us um, maybe not the correct people to talk about the subject because both of us knew literally exactly what we wanted to do not from the first day of college but from the first day of elementary school. So we're you maybe wanted to, not you both wanted to push paper. Yeah, sure. If you want to say <laughs> if that, that way, if that's I mean, come on. If, if you if you want to be cutting that way and say that, I guess well, that's fine. You know, I'm just giving it back. I've heard you know fair amounts already on this podcast about comparative literature, but I, no, I I think though, um, you know, and and I think the where you want to go decision, you know, parents and kids make. They go and visit colleges, and I don't think we need to spend a lot of time talking about, but what are you hoping to get out of college is a big part of it, right? And so in in your case, you knew exactly what you wanted to get out of college. I think I had a very good 
idea of what I wanted to go out of college, get out of college. But so many kids are just kind of like, I want to go to college. Or mom and dad went to a particular school and they say, you should go to that school. You know, I had a great time there. Uh, you know, but are you looking for, you know, making friendships? Are you looking for particular experiences? Uh, a lot of kids, you know, one of the unique opportunities of college is you get a chance to live abroad if you so choose. You can study in, in a foreign country. And so one of the things, you know, kids I think should should look at and parents should talk to their kids about is finding a college where such a decision works. The college encourages it. The other thing is, and and so often we don't get into this, but so many colleges have started diversifying their course offerings or as a college specialize in particular fields, even liberal arts colleges. You know, there are certain liberal arts colleges with great English departments, so on and so forth. But another conversation that comes up is, for instance, uh, in Wisconsin, and Nate, you're going up to Bayfield. There's a college in Bayfield. Did you know that in that in I that did. area? It's Superior, right? UW-Superior? Ashland College uh. as well is up there. And uh, Ashland College is a school that has really developed its niche of helping kids who are interested in environmental sciences, environmental programs, forestry, so on, get jobs in the framework of a liberal arts degree. They offer a lot of specialty programs and opportunities for course credit that may be different than someone going to uh, Lawrence University in Appleton. So I think in each of these cases, you know, talking to your kids what they want out of college and then talking to guidance counselors, counselors at school, teachers, friends, you, st you may find a fit for a college that is a little bit different. I think it's that uniqueness that, um, that somebody wants to study that uh, makes people have to get, have to spend the time to research all these different colleges, things like that. Like, for example, one of my good friends, his daughter knows all kinds of different languages. And so that integral part of that experience is going to be language. And so she's got to find a school that fits that. And it might not be just a typical UW school around here, or it could be a specialized UW school that has a certain department in it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of the point of the conversation this morning is, is that a lot of times colleges get chosen because of, you know, what the campus looks like or, um, you know, and not that that isn't important or, you know, where somebody's friends are going to college. And obviously that stuff is important as well. But we're kind of promoting the idea that you need to push the envelope a little bit further to understand, does that college have at least the overall uh, disciplines that you're looking at, at potentially studying, right? I mean, we've heard kind of horror stories of people getting two or three years into college and then deciding and then, then realizing almost at that point that the college that they're at doesn't have the discipline that they want. Well, and I think as well, and, and this is sort of a financial planning conversation, in a lot of cases, kids might not be 100% sure about college. And so you want to talk to them about, you know, picking a college from that perspective they may not be 100% ready for college. And I taught at the community college level for a number of years, and I had really bright students. And it's a great way of, maybe you don't know what your major is going to be, so you want to get, you want to build up those credits, you want to, you know, be positioned. And rather than spending, you know, the, the full boat at a, a major college, you can spend a year or two years at a community college. You'll have excellent pro professors and teachers. 
uh, find one that the credits will transfer. I know the UW system will accept credits from Madison College really well. And you can take that time to experiment as well. And so we get locked in, in many cases, to this is the path that everybody should take or, you know, well, Johnny down the street is going to X college, you know. But I think one of the the most important things from both a financial perspective for kids getting started and for their own mental health is finding a good a good fit and good strategy overall that's going to work with you know how if you have this conversation how your child is thinking about college a lot of people are doing gap years now i know um i don't know if i'm a huge advocate of that that would be something that you know maybe nate can speak to a little bit more about his thoughts on it since he has a daughter that's so close i mean what if what if your daughter said to you i want to take a gap year nate how would you how would you approach that uh, well, I'd say no, first of all. Um, <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> Listen, Flexible parenting. Back oh, in my yeah, day. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I would, I would, uh, I'd be open to the idea if there was some level of, of kind of objective thought that went into it and not just the subjective feeling of, A, I want to break, B, I don't want to be in school for the next year. So, I mean, there would have to be some reason as to why that was happening because I think well, you're right, I mean, Clint, but... I, I would say though that in some cases, you know, the gap year where they say, "Well, I don't want to be in school next year," and you make them get a real job and pay their rent, uh, may have the desired outcome, right? Because they're going to learn that at eleven dollars an hour, you're not going to live your mother and father's lifestyle. Yeah, I think it's a really slippery slope, though, and here's the reason why. Um, you know, high school students are used to making zero money, right? I mean, they make next to nothing. Um, relatively speaking, right, to, to what somebody would make. Even a um, lower-paying full-time job is going to feel like to them at 19 years old that they are wealthy, right? They've never made, you know, $1,000, you know, every two weeks before in their lives. So those all of a sudden are $1,200 every two weeks. So do they then get into this feeling of, oh, this is great. Look at all this money I'm making. And then where does college then sit in their mind? So that's where I think the fear is. And I think you're right, Keith. It can be kind of a, use it as a learning tool, or it can also be used as, uh, or it also could be a uh, negative in that it can promote the, the child to say, well, I don't need to go to college because look, at I'm making you know $20 an hour at this job over here and I don't need to, to go to college. I think you could fix that by totally overextending them in a super expensive apartment. Yeah. Just yeah. sign them up for an $1,800 a month. Get, get one of those with the rooftop <laughs> pools downtown. Just be like, you're going to have to figure that out. Yeah, it's good not luck my to fault. You, you yeah. signed the lease. This is what you wanted. Yeah. Uh, one other thing that I wanted to touch on, uh, because even, you know, Clint and Nate, you guys, you know, came out of the womb wearing three-piece suits and wanting to push paper. Uh, Clint, you were in the UW band. I was. And extracurricular activities do play a part in what, you know, kids are interested in college and I think also help organize the college experience and maybe make you a little bit more productive. Um, Absolutely. I had to prioritize my time well because it, it was demanding, particularly during the football season. And I'd say secondarily, it does keep you out of trouble a bit because, you know, you have this sort of ready group of people that have uh, similar thoughts and, and, you know, you don't want to show up hungover to a football game and try to march. It's not, not pretty. So 
Yeah, and I think that it gets also, hot on that astroturf, doesn't well, it? Well, yeah, and the uniforms are all wool. Like it's really hot uh, down there. So we always like the cool uh, games out there. And and I would also say that you know Madison does not have a huge Greek system uh, elsewhere. Like my buddy went to Vanderbilt. That was all you had to go Greek. Uh, you know, here it's very small. So, you know, you've got to find your tribe of people that you like to spend time with. And that was where I found mine. Well, and I think as well, though, thinking about it that way, uh, sometimes people look at a UW and they say, oh, I'm not a big campus person. This isn't going to work for me. But you find a way to kind of carve it up into your smaller, uh, n- you know, area. Uh, you know, people talk about how do you, how did you ever live in New York City? It's so huge, but you didn't live in New York City. You lived in your neighborhood, you know. Right. And it's finding at a place, you know, thinking about it that way. Maybe your kid is, uh, you know, very into music and getting part of the, you know, a uh, chamber group or something like that at the UW makes what you guys once thought of as overwhelming as a manageable environment. So that becomes the next kind of option as well, I think. Well, I think that's a great point. And kind of go, go back to the, the uh, again, we don't really want to call it a cost-benefit analysis, but if, you know, kind of go back to that for a second of kind of understanding where do you potentially want to live when you get out of college? What is your degree going to potentially earn you? Are there jobs where you want to live? What is the, you know, the, the debt burden you're going to be looking at? I think that's the issue is that not enough of those conversations happen with kids that are the age of my daughter, you know, 16 years old, you know, going on 17, she's old enough to have that conversation. And I just don't think enough of those conversations happen in households. I think parents are so excited and happy for the kid to be going to college that they don't think about, okay, but what do they potentially want to study and what is that going to cost? And what kind of job can they look at getting? It's not all about that, obviously, but that is something that needs to be taken into consideration. Well, and, and usually this becomes a, a knock on my particular discipline, right? Uh, or lack, you know, the liberal arts, right? Because, oh, you're going to come out and get a job as a barista. But I don't think enough attention is paid to this in terms of even doctors come out with sizable debt loads now from going to medical school. Seven, you know, four years of college, medical school, all of that adds up. Lawyers, when they're coming out, you know, a lot of them end up taking jobs that they didn't want to have to take at a big firm working 80 hours a week because they look at that debt payment at the end and they go, oh my God, I can't work as a public defender. I can't pursue law in the way I wanted to. I have to go to, you know, Dewey Scrum and Howe and work 120 billable hours a week and get home from the office at midnight. And, you know, I'm making a lot of money, but a lot of money is going to my debt payment and I'm not enjoying my lifestyle. And, I, you know, you may burn out. So this becomes, I think, a, a really important, even for, you know, pr- presumably lucrative fields. What are you thinking about doing? I mean, and what's it going to lead to and what, what are the costs going to be? How can we mitigate those costs in the long run now? You know, hopefully, you know, in certain cases, You've been saving through a 529 plan or something like that. And this is also, you know, something for you to think about if your children are much younger, like yours are, Clint, right, is to think about the saving for the long term, but also talk to the kids about these longer term financial decisions. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, it's just, it, it's more, and the, the overall point we're trying to make in the podcast is, is have the conversation with your kids. Think about it if your kids are younger, 
once the kids are appropriate age, have the conversation and don't be afraid to have the big conversation with your kids. Don't be afraid to talk about money with your kids. Don't be afraid to kind of go down some of these challenging paths that they're, I, while they're not old enough yet necessarily to do a lot of things that adults do, they're old enough to grasp some of these concepts and they understand kind of how these things go together. And so have the conversation. And if, if you are struggling with it or you just don't know where to start, that's where you bring in your financial advisor to help you with that conversation or at least how to potentially handle that and position it with your, with your children. Well, and I think as well, one of the, the big things about college, at least how it functions in our society is that it's supposed to be a, a kind of transition point, right? You go from childhood into adulthood through college. And I think one of the, you're doing a disservice in some sense if you're not having these sorts of con- conversations with your kids because these are adult conversations. Now, none of us walked out of college at 22, 23, 20, 30, I don't know when I finished uh, graduate school as fully fledged adults but i think you know managing your time as you spoke about you know doing your own laundry doing all of these you know figuring these things out along with these conversations hopefully where parents start talking to their kids like grown ups are all part of that cultural process of college which is to you know hopefully lead to a grown up that the uh, conversation is happening is really the important piece, and that's what uh, we're uh, hopefully uh, motivating you parents to, to get out there and do now that it's the school season again. So uh, thanks again for listening to another installment. Are you of, going home and uh, talking to Natalie about all of this stuff? I talked to her about it when she was eight or nine years old. She seemed like she got it. I think we're good. <laughs> it's covered. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think I need to talk any more about it. I mean, no, she nodded are, a lot. D- she nodded a lot and said, yes. Dad, so. could you put Phineas and Fur back on? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the TV was running while we were having the conversation, but I think she got the overall yeah. message. I yeah. think it was fine. Yeah. Uh, you you broke out the charts and graphs. and Yeah. Well, she asked me to move. She couldn't see the TV when I had those, but I mean, they were there. I mean, yeah. she could. she glanced over once in a while. So, yeah. We will be happy to have more conversations with you in the future if you need help. Otherwise, we uh, look forward to you listening to the next episode of Give Me Some Truth. You gotta leave your money behind you. Raise your hand to the sky. Advisory services are offered through Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Clint Walkner, Nate Condon, Jonathan Jordan, Mitch DeWitt, and Keith Ponywaz are investment advisor representatives of Walkner Condon. Guests on the podcast are not registered, and their participation in the podcast are limited to unregistered activities and will not provide any advice that is investment-related, nor should any comments that guests make be construed as giving investment advice. Content should not be viewed as an offer to buy or sell any securities mentioned or as legal or tax advice. You should always consult an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific legal or tax situation. Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC, is not engaged in the practice of law. Whenever you invest, you are at risk of loss of principal as the market does fluctuate. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Purchases are subject to suitability. This requires a review of an investor's objective, risk tolerance, and time horizon. Investing always involves risk and possible loss of capital. Long-term care, estate planning, insurance products, and tax advice are not offered through Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC. Walkner Condon works on a best efforts basis and does not guarantee any results. Past performance does not represent future results. Please see walknercondon.com for additional disclosures.